0: How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to episode four of Valley Vibes Behind the Blue Sox. I'm your host, David Azer, alongside Nick Freitas. Nick, how are we doing?
1: Doing well. Recovering from the long doubleheader yesterday.
0: Yeah, a a great doubleheader, by the way, that we'll touch on later. But we are joined by, as Andrew White put it last night, the sort of utility player for the Blue Sox, Mr. Drew Stahl. Drew thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Very excited to talk to Drew later in the show as well. But first, we we are coming off a little bit of a longer hiatus than we're used to, about two weeks. And last time we talked, the Blue Sox were eight and four. Now, two weeks later, they are 12 and 13. So they went four and nine in roughly their past two weeks. We're going to fly over a bit of those losses there we'll touch on a few of them but the four wins two of those coming in extra innings one versus the bristol blues and one last night versus the vermont mountaineers both very impressive wins so where do we want to start here nick
1: uh i mean let's start last night with the sweep of the vermont mountaineers there was some great pitching by leo harris and zach cameron in the first game where uh valley actually walked it off in the top of the ninth. sorry i believe it was no it was the bottom of the eighth if i remember correctly everything kind of jumbles together from yesterday uh it was just great to see the team yesterday they were hyped up they were ready to go and the first game just carried into the second when they took that commanding 3-1 win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the momentum really helped going into game two, especially after, after the walk-off. Zach Ketterman, with the walk-off, double to score two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to seal the deal on the first game. An impressive victory over the Vermont Mountaineers, who are a pretty solid team. I believe they're in second place, but Upper Valley... Um, has played a lot less games than a lot of other teams. So it's a little bit skewed there, but Vermont, very good team, very solid from top to bottom and really an impressive two game sweep from the Blue Sox there. Drew, do you have any thoughts on it?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I actually missed that walk-off of the second game. I was out um, getting the meal for our players, but um, no, it it was great. The second game was, was amazing. Um, Jonathan Batista, 4.1 innings, only gave up one hit, one run. That wasn't earned, actually. Um, And Harrison DeRoe, that save was incredible. He just struck out the side. Um, It was great.
0: Yeah, a great sort of ribbon to tie on the doubleheader there, striking out the side in the second game to silence the Mountaineers, who were a bit bit active chirping-wise, I heard, throughout the game. So an impressive two-game sweep there. And I also want to touch on real quick, like you said, Jonathan Batista. this is only his second game pitching for the Blue Sox. He joined the team late, and very impressive showing. In, the, in his first game, uh, a few days ago, he struck out seven batters, ran into a bit of trouble, allowed a few runs, but this game was really solid from him. The command was a little bit rough early, and we saw in, I believe, the top of the fifth inning, he walked two batters to make it first and second, no outs. and yep. Not really who you'd expect Pedro Santiago to go with to sort of get out of the jam, but someone who's turned into a bit of a two way player for the Blue Sox is Kean Saylor, an outfielder who i've heard hasn't pitched in like a year and a half since he's been he's been on the Blue Sox, and now we've seen three I believe scoreless appearances from him they They turned to Kean Saylor first and second, no outs and To be able to get out of this jam, I believe he forced two flyouts to end the inning. And that's just insane from Kean Saylor, who we said hasn't pitched in like a year and a half to be doing this at this level of the NECBL, facing a lot of D1 guys and just college guys in general who have a lot of plate discipline and, you know, the tools to get it done. Super impressive from him. Especially when
1: you're in these long double headers, your bullpen shrinks, the catchers yeah. are tired, mm-hmm. the players are tired. It's really great to have these two-way players that can come in and give you some scoreless innings.
0: Yeah, that was super impressive. And when I saw him walking out of the bullpen, I was like, is that Kean? I, yeah, I, I couldn't really tell.
2: Yeah, we were up there <laughs> thinking, oh, who, like who is that? Is that Ballard? Like, I, I don't remember who we were thinking it was, but we're like, all right, it's Kian. And he, he came right out like you said, forced two flyouts on looks like eight pitches, so I mean yeah great yeah. great showing from him yesterday,
0: yeah you absolutely love to see it the two way players are just super exciting Kean has been a little bit better at the plate as well lately I think he's had a few hits in in the past few games where he started in the outfield as well so to be to be able to have this weapon that you can kind of use as sort of a Swiss Army knight type guy in the situations where you really need him is is super nice to have and we'll see how it plays out for the rest of the year I I assume just based on his scoreless appearances so far we'll see more of him out of the bullpen and just based on the track record I'm excited to see what's next for him he's he's got a zero era right now (laughs) 3.2 innings pitch and five
2: strikeouts he's he's looking pretty good
0: yeah yeah and his intro music I also really like just just gets you hyped up when he when he's coming out there as well Um, But is there anything else we want to touch on from these past two weeks of games? A little bit of a woge bomb
1: at the end of uh, last game. I've heard from inside sources on the team that it was Matt Garcia's final game with the Blue Sox, which we are sad to hear. He's been really great for the team this year. So it looks like Pierre Antonio will be getting some reps at shortstop, but Matt Garcia will definitely be missed by the Valley Blue Sox.
0: Yeah, for sure. A switch hitter at the top of the lineup and really found his stride in the leadoff spot once Pedro Santiago put him there. He's been hitting very well and and sort of being that spark plug that you need at the top of the lineup. When the offense was sort of struggling early on, putting Garcia in that leadoff spot really set the tone for the rest of the lineup. And I'm also pretty partial to his intro music. (laughs) His his walk-up song is one of my favorites and I will very much miss it. I believe you
1: added it to the playlist, right? <laughs>
0: yes, I did add it to the playlist. I had to once I heard it. It's quickly become one of my favorites. But, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, one more thing I do want to bring up these past two games is in both games from the doubleheader yesterday, we almost gave away a car. <laughs> we we almost had a grand slam in the bottom of the fifth from the Blue Sox two games in a row. That's It's something that I don't think we've even been set up for this year at all.
0: Yeah. Like shout out Tommy Car Auto by the way, the presenting sponsor of the promotion that the Blue Sox are doing in the bottom of the 5th inning if a Blue Sox player hits a home a grand slam. They will give away a free 2023 Hyundai Elantra or they'll raffle it off to uh, people who fill it out at McKenzie Stadium. But I don't think we expected to in what 10, 15 home games to have the potential of someone winning a car. Yeah. At least three times we've had bases loaded yeah. in the bottom and, of the and fifth. You know what? I'm,
2: I'm not sure. I, I want to say it was Guerrero in that first game. Yeah. Hit a deep ball on, onto the track. It was yeah. it was feet from being out. Oh, yeah. feet away, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It probably would have been gone in 12 of the 13 NECBL stadiums, but the one that it was not gone in – is Mackenzie Stadium because yeah, those outfield field. those outfield walls are deep, and Andrew White mentions it mentions it a lot on the broadcast that it is tough to hit one out. The wind has to be blowing just the right way. We've seen Blue Sox players hit some balls out in batting practice, but not yet in a game this year. A few visiting players have gotten it over the wall, but even those have been wall scrapers. So it's really tough to yeah. hit one out there. But, yeah, I I think we have five or six home games left. We'll see if someone walks away with a free car. That would be super cool to watch. Um, you, you almost don't even know it's happening until you're like, oh, wait, it's the bottom of the fifth inning and there's bases loaded. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's always funny because I'll be doing the on-field promotions, getting everything ready because we do them after. Obviously, the Blue Sox hit in the bottom of the fifth, and I'll have to notify Tyler, the GM, and Nat, the president, and be like, yo, we need to get the social media live video going and get proof that it actually happens. And everybody in the stadium knows, everybody's (laughs) alert to it, and it's just a good time. I think our
2: Instagram actually went live as those bases got loaded just just for that video evidence and yeah. and to get everyone hyped up about it and yeah it was really close.
0: Yeah, I also heard from the press box the bullpen definitely knew what was going down because they were yelling at the batters at oh, the plate yeah. being like someone's about to win a car. <laughs> it's just it's just so funny. And I kind of a side note here. I just love how cohesive this Blue Sox team seems. Like it seems like everybody on the team loves each other. They all have great relationships. And even in sort of a dry spell, the four and nine that we talked about the past two weeks, it doesn't seem like they've lost any sort of confidence heading into the second half of the season. So we'll see how it pans out. But a lot of encouraging things, even, even if the, the record hasn't been as great as they might have hoped. But now we can transition into our sort of interview of sorts of Mr. Drew Stahl, who, as we said before, has sort of been the Swiss army knife. Drew is a sales and marketing intern but he has also been on the broadcast uh helping helping out our guy Rory who yeah. who was absent for a game as well as our guy Arch who is the scorer so Drew has been experiencing a lot of different aspects of this team and we're looking forward to kind of getting into that with you.
2: Yeah. No, it's it's been great these past two games I've I've done all three. I was uh I want to say on Monday I was producing the broadcast for Andrew and for the, um, for the other, for the other, I don't remember who the game was against. I'm just blanking up for the Danbury um, their, their broadcaster. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Got a shout out there. Shout out number one from Andrew White. And then, uh, yesterday for game one, I was just doing regular sales and marketing stuff. And then game two, our scorekeeper Arch had to leave, um, and so I was thrown into that position, and it it I missed an inning or two, but you know what? Afterwards, went went right back, fixed it up, and and we're all set.
0: Yeah. So yeah. how is has how the scoring experience been so far? It it's really interesting to me. I'm I'm a guy who goes to baseball games and keeps score every time. I don't really go as in depth as I've seen you do and Arch do as they actually document yeah. it for the team. But how's that been so far?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's interesting. So, I mean, the league requires, since it's, you know, it is uh, subsidized by MLB and the NCAA, they require you to track every single pitch. So you have to record balls, strikes, fouls, extra fouls that don't count as strikes, because these pitchers do have pitch counts and required rest days, uh, depending on how many pitches they work up to. So, that's really our job is tracking every pitch and exactly what happens. So, yeah, we got to do it on uh, on online, on the computer, on paper as a backup, and then as you were helping me out with yesterday on the scoreboard in person.
0: Yeah, that keeping the scoreboard in person at McKenzie Stadium definitely keeps you on your toes <laughs> to, to have to pay attention to every single pitch and make sure that you're doing it right, getting the pitch counts up and everything for the fans to see is definitely – Pretty pretty tough at first. I found my groove. I you would did. say so far. Yeah, I mean,
2: you were you were asking me, "Hey, how do I reset the pitch count?" And I told you, uh, "Just give me a second. Like I'll tell you when you need to reset it." And then
0: I look over when you needed
2: to. This is how you reset it, and you had already figured it out. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very, finding very my proud of you stride. For that one. Yeah, I also did some did a little bit of PA work yesterday. So kind of kind of a Swiss Army knife of sorts myself as well. Probably not as much as Drew, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely been a good time so far. So what what can you tell us about the broadcasting experience as well?
2: Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I mean, getting to sit next to the broadcasters and kind of listen in and really just watch the broadcast since, you know, I'm cutting the video there in person. Um, watch and listen to it live was a really cool experience as you're there at the stadium. But yeah, I mean, basically just cutting between cameras, throwing up graphics, keeping that, keeping that count uh, on the screen for viewers at home to look at. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing super complicated, but yeah, it
1: was definitely, it was a different experience. It was a lot of fun. From what I've seen uh, around the league, I believe that McKenzie Stadium is one of two fields with the center field camera as well. That, so, yeah, that sounds right to me. From other broadcasts I've watched, I don't think
2: I've watched from every single park, but a lot of them are really like kind of just behind home plate or from the press box or something. But yeah, McKenzie, we have that center field cam, which is great. It It looks like a almost an MLB broadcast. Very, very professional. Um, and then we do cut up to the uh, the press box cam for Balls in Play.
0: Yeah, it is pretty cool, the production we have going at McKenzie Stadium. And huge shout outs to Andrew White and Brian and Riley as well for setting up yeah. those cameras and it really kind fun. of bringing the production to the next level, which, which has really been cool to watch Obviously, we can't watch these games from home because we're there in person. Yeah, but I'm sure watching it back, it, it's definitely a, a cool presentation to be able to see a bunch of different angles, like like an MLB game as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. Brian Brian does a great job. He has a ton of different cameras that he goes back and and watches afterwards. I'd I'd love to see if we could get all of those on the broadcast too. I think that would be great. But um, I'm really excited. We have an ESPN Plus game coming up. Um, I can try and find the exact date here in a second, but. Um. Yeah, that should be that should be really cool. Um, I was talking to our president Matt Drury, and he was saying how we may need an extra person or two for that broadcast. So it sounds like we may even get some more cameras and some more angles for that game.
0: Yeah, that'll be really cool, especially to cover it on ESPN Plus. Something you don't see all that often in the NECBL. Something that they've been doing a lot more this year. Haven't made their way out to Holyoke just yet.
1: But... Yeah, it's
2: it's going to be July thirteenth. Is that ESPN Plus game Thursday, July thirteenth?
0: Yeah, versus the Mainers? The,
2: the Sanford yeah, Mainers. Sanford Mainers.
0: Yeah. yeah, that'll be a good game too. The Mainers haven't made their way out here yet. I think the Blue Sox have been there twice, but they haven't made it out here just yet. Speaking of ESPN's uh, relationship
1: with the NECBL, the NACBL was actually featured on the top 10 of Center. was on their story. I believe it was the Mountaineers that made a very nice play. The pitcher caught the ball behind his back, which was great to see a little shout out from one of the top sports networks.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. Just to see the coverage of the NECBL on the national scale is really cool and helping this league grow a lot more than it has been, you know, just, just being able to showcase these players and how good they really are. Even, even a lot of, a lot of these players are D1, but there are some D2 and D3 athletes in this league who have really been getting a chance to shine. And we'll get into that more later as well. but. Is there anything else we want to talk to Drew about, Nick? Uh,
1: I think we pretty much have covered it.
0: Yeah. So, Drew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point yeah, to talk about totally the rest agreed. of the year. But, yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. We A lot of fun. It. Appreciate it.
0: All right. We are back for the second half of today's episode, and we thought about doing a little bit of a mid-season check-in up to this point. The Blue Sox are 12-13, and so 25 games played so far, 19 games remaining in their schedule. And we thought we might just touch on a few players that have really set the tone for the rest of the team and really been some some really good spots in this lineup and on the pitching side as well up to this point. So I think we're going to start on the pitching side with one of the starters who we have yet to really mention on this show, but who has been really solid all year round for the Blue Sox so far, and that is Ben Roberts, who has been very solid out of the University of South Carolina upstate. And up to this point, he is 3-1 and in five games started with a 2.01 ERA in 22 innings, as well as 18 strikeouts to his name. When Ben Roberts is out there, the Blue Sox really feel like they can win any of these games. He really puts them in a great position, no matter what. It it looks like he's gone five plus innings in his last three starts and has really just been solid, setting the tone early for this team. Yeah, I mean, he's pitched five
1: games. He's three and one. And even in the two games that the Blue Sox lost, they were both close contests. So Ben Roberts really knows how to keep it close, keep the Blue Sox in these games, and they love to rally behind them.
0: Yeah, definitely. And his last two starts, he's only allowed one hit in each of those games in five innings of work, and four strikeouts in his last game against Danbury, and the game before that, six strikeouts against Mystic. And it's just been really impressive starting these games for the Blue Sox. Every fifth or so day that you see him out there, you're really excited because you know that it's going to be a tight game either a win or a loss but you know that Ben Roberts is going to put you right in the mix to be competitive and win these games but next we're going to head to the bullpen who and a really bright spot in the bullpen has been Jason Arigo out of Salve Regina we touched on him in our intro episode with Andrew White as one of the pitchers we were really excited to see work he has a very nasty curveball and we've seen that on full display so far this this season, he has a 1.74 ERA. He's made eight appearances. And in 10 innings pitched, 10 and a third innings pitched, he has struck out 17 batters, which is a really ridiculous K per nine ratio there. And a lot of these games he's pitched in have been losses, unfortunately. But every time he's out there, he gives you a shutout inning or two, and really just closes the door on these teams trying to sort of add insurance runs and add late inning, you know, bonus runs that they can get off these Blue Sox pitchers. Jason Arrigo has just been rock solid in this bullpen, really keeping these games close and giving the the Blue Sox offense an opportunity to chase a few runs back.
1: Yeah. I mean, going back to his strikeouts, if you're ever at McKenzie stadium and obviously you can't choose to go to a game where you see Jason Arrigo pitch because he does come out of the bullpen and it's a situational type thing when he is on the field, but, if you're ever at McKenzie Stadium or any other NECBL field and you hear that Jason Arrigo is pitching, I would highly recommend sitting right behind home plate just to see how much his pitches break because it is incredible. The pitch almost starts at the batter's head and drops all the way to his knees. It's
0: almost unhittable. It's
1: just incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, I know if I was in the up at the batter's box trying to swing at those pitches, it, it would just be terrible. I would be so bad at hitting those and most of the players we've seen haven't been able to hit it either and yeah it's just been incredible out of the bullpen to to have a guy you can sort of lean on in these games and keep it close keep it competitive for the blue Sox offense to go out and try to catch a few runs is is really great to have in the back end of your bullpen now we're going to move on to the offensive side and there are a few guys here that have really been great all season long I think it starts with E.J. Kreutzmann, the outfielder from Columbia. But I believe he's transferring somewhere. I can't quite remember where. But E.J., in in 21 games so far, he is hitting 311. He has 16 RBIs. He also has 10 doubles, a triple and one home run to his name as well. 12 walks as well. Just really working these counts, putting himself in favorable hitters counts, and just doing damage. He's been in the three or four slot pretty much the whole season after he really went on a tear early. And it's just been super impressive from Kreutzmann. And he will likely be named an all-star, I would have to imagine. I believe he received week two player honors from the entire NECBL. So to be getting the whole league-wide recognition is, is super awesome for him. He's definitely just been a complete rock for that
1: top of the lineup. And when the bottom of the blue Sox lineup has been able to get on base, he's been able to drive them in. He's played over 20 games. He's had 74 at bat, So he's just that guy for the blue Sox right now.
0: Yeah. Next, next we can head over to the leadoff spot, who we have found has really taken a stride. There is Matt Garcia. If you want to touch on him, Nick. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he kind of had a slow start at the beginning of the year, but
1: he's really, really picked it up, and he's batting leadoff. He's been starting at shortstop almost every game. Pierre Antonio almost moved to second at this point, but Garcia has just been incredible. It's very unfortunate that his last game, as we touched on earlier in the episode, was last night, and he will definitely be missed, but he's had, let's see, 78 at-bats in 22 games with the team. 21 hits, six doubles, 11 RBIs. He has been all-star caliber for the team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to be able, like we said earlier, to have this guy, a switch hitter as well, that you could slot in at the top of your lineup and set the tone for the rest of the offense early is just super great to have. And like Nick said, we will definitely miss Matt Garcia around Julio. And one one other person I wanted to touch on has sort of been a spark plug for this team, when you really need a run, really need to sort of mess around with these opposing pitchers, that has been Jeff Pierantoni, who the Blue Sox have turned to. Pierantoni has started a few games at second base, as well as shortstop. So a middle infield guy with a ton of speed and great defense. We saw early on he's been making some acrobatic tags to, to get some runners out on the base paths, But he's been making some some a name for himself on the base path as well. 10 stolen bases up to this point. It feels like every time Pierantoni and Tony gets on base, he's at least getting to second base off a stolen, uh, off a steal. And sometimes he'll even strengthen that into getting to third off a stolen base as well. Seems like these, these catchers have been unable to throw him out, especially as of late. And just giving that team that sort of spark plug, getting a runner in scoring position without having to, to actually make contact on the ball is really helpful for these players to sort of get into their clutch gene and and bring in Pierantoni, who is bound to score from second base and definitely from third with that speed. Yeah, being the spark plug,
1: it will definitely be exciting to see him take over at shortstop for Matt Garcia, we assume, because he has played shortstop in the past. But another player I did want to touch on that kind of flies under the radar is Elliot Dix. He's played 14 games and has a 308 average. He's Been very, very consistent for the Blue Sox, a middle-of-the-order guy. Kind of moved up to the top of the order in some of the games that he started, but just really flies under the radar.
0: Yeah, definitely, and Dix had a great couple games yesterday. I believe he was a designated hitter in both of those games, and he went two for three in the closing game of the doubleheader versus the Mountaineers. Had a couple of RBIs to his name and a walk as well. So really encouraging to see Dix getting back. Onto the plate and onto the field in general, and a, a really another encouraging sign for the Blue Sox as they head into the second half of the season. And I think we'll do this again after the season ends. Touch on a, a bunch of other players who have really made an impact on this team. But yeah, we just wanted to appreciate these guys for you know getting the Blue Sox sort of where they are now. The whole team has, but these guys who we sort of touched on a bit before, but just wanted to shine a bit more light on them as well there. And now for the segment of Valley Vibes that everyone has been waiting for, it is the Freitas Fan Forecast.
1: Freitas Fan Forecast.
0: Yeah, so we have
1: a couple of exciting games coming up. Sunday we're celebrating the 150th celebration of Holyoke previously rained out from our June date. Uh the city of Holyoke will be at the game. The mayor will be throwing the first pitch, I believe, and will be giving away Holyoke Miller t-shirts and we have a little bit of a home hiatus throughout the week with three games away I believe maybe one day of rest but on Thursday we return home to play the Sanford Mainers and it will be our Thunderbirds Appreciation Night which will also be on ESPN so if you can't come to Mackenzie Stadium and you have ESPN Plus definitely recommend checking it out we'll have a lot of new camera angles and all that, and it's just going to be a great
0: time at McKenzie Stadium this upcoming week. Yeah, definitely looking forward to these two next games at home. And I also want to touch on real quick, the Holyoke Millers shirts. It's a really cool giveaway. I was looking last night, the Holyoke Millers were actually a minor league affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers, and I believe one other team that I'm just blanking on right now. But they played at the same McKenzie Stadium that the Blue Sox play at, From 1977 to 1982. So, really cool throwback giveaway there. Something to look forward to in this next week of games. But is there anything else we want to add?
1: Touching on the Thunderbirds night, something I did forget, there will be multiple ticket packages, I believe, being given away by the Thunderbirds, and all season ticket holders are more than welcome to join us. I believe we've reached out to a lot of them, but. It looks like that game on Thursday, July 13th, will be a very big crowd. So McKenzie Stadium will be rocking. We'll be ready to go.
0: Yeah, looking forward to this next week of games. And we will check in with you guys again next week. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Take it easy.